Welcome to the Business Legends Podcast, where we interview business leaders and entrepreneurs so that you can learn from their mistakes, pump up your own inspiration, and grow your bottom line. I'm the host of the show, Reese Arlen, and my co-host is out sick today, but I'm going to give him a break. He actually hurt his neck, but Christian's still in the background. We'll be thinking about him. Don't forget, he's the CEO of Business Marketing Solutions Group. We're accompanied by the greatest videographer of all time, David Woodruff, with Genesis Film TV. Make sure to show him some love. And today we have a very special guest named Andrew Tucker. Andrew is your outsource CFO. Andrew, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. So what is an outsource CFO? What does that even mean to those of us plebeians that don't speak, uh, that don't speak technical business language? <laughs> well, what an outsource CFO does is they work with clients that don't have, don't need, or can't afford a full-time CFO, okay. but they have some financial needs that aren't being met okay. by either their internal staff or their tax preparer. Okay. Uh, for example, they may have some needs for reviewing leases or loan documents or even something simpler like setting up a budget or forecast. Sure. And, and they don't have people that can do that for them. So I work on a part-time as-needed basis with my clients to help them do these things from everything from helping them find a new payroll company to selling their business. Yeah. Okay. It sounds way above my pay grade, I'll tell you, because I can't, I can't look at those financial statements without going cross-eyed a little bit at least. Well, that, that's why there are people like me out there. That's why you're here, man. That's why you're here. So um, is there any specific business that benefits the best from using an outsourced CFO or, or can you literally go into virtually any business and kind of take a look at the numbers? I can go into any business and, and look at the numbers. Uh, accounting is accounting, sure. but some businesses are obviously more intricate, you know, particularly manufacturing companies or, or companies that have a lot of moving parts, like some service businesses, like trades, like plumbers and painters and people like that. Yeah. Uh, so they have a lot more moving parts and trying to keep all those moving parts moving in the direction the company wants uh, is hard sometimes. Yeah, I imagine so. And a lot, a lot of times we've had other guests in the show and talking about uh, your balance sheets and cash flows and stuff like that. And exciting stuff. <laughs> yeah, real yeah. exciting stuff. <laughs> you accountants must throw a party at the end of the year when, you, when you're talking about balance sheets or something. But, um, you know, we, we think about a lot of those different uh, cash flows and, and just every sort of uh, transaction of money that takes place. And, you know, people that own businesses are so worried about, you know, the day-to-day -day operations, things like, you know, new clients taking care of customer service or, you know, maybe maybe even it's, you know, purchasing. For us, we do a lot of software purchasing, for example, um, trying to adapt and overcome the challenges of the environment of their business. And a lot of times people that don't like to look at numbers like me, they don't even think about, them, you know. Um, I'll never forget, we had, a, we had an attorney on the show. This has been, oh, I don't know, episode 10 or something, but he was talking about some of his cash flow analysis. And a lot of it can just kind of get away from you. And his example was they were spending something like $1,000 a month on office supplies. And I said, whoa, you know, Jason, are you, are you buying a new computer every month or something? You know, he goes, no, we were just buying too much stuff with that. So, um, I mean, I can immediately see the benefit. H have you ever found anything that's been that insane? Like something like, you know, something where you look at the numbers and you say, hey, a company shouldn't be spending that on this or something like that. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's one of the things I work with my clients on is helping mm -hmm. them corral their expenses and sure. definitely help them understand their expenses. Yeah. Because you can let them get away from you, like the attorney you just mentioned, mm -hmm. um, particularly if, if you're spending an extraordinary amount on something and you don't understand why. Yeah. 
And if you go looking at it and figure out that you really are paying that much money out for these things, sure. you know, sometimes it comes down to, is somebody actually walking out the back door with these things? Oh too? yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've found that too many times. Oh, a- a- absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've, in my career, I have found fraud. Yeah. I found embezzlement. Yeah. Um, one company I worked for actually found it and we ended up, um, going after the payroll manager for the company that was doing wow. the embezzling and he ended up going to jail. Oh, wow. I, I can, I can only imagine that. That sounds like a horror story and a half. Um, here's a real, real fast and strange story that happened with us. Um, we were approached by a company. Uh, Christian actually got sent a LinkedIn message and they wanted a full digital marketing service basically. And, you know, we talked to them, sat down with the guy that introduced himself as the owner of the business. I feel like you know where this is going already. <laughs> and um, we gave him a full proposal. It was a very expensive proposal, but, I mean, it's a lot of services. I mean, you're talking you're talking 20 hours a week type service with, with this account type of thing. And uh, long story short, he says, we're going to keep this stuff in-house. Thanks for your time. No thank you. And about six months later, Christian gets a call, and uh, it's from, from a, a lady, and she says, hey, this is – Blank from blank. Obviously, I'm not going to say these names, but she says uh, this is blank from blank. And um, can you tell me, you know, what what services that you guys have been providing for us? And you know, the start of the call, Christian was licking his chops, you know, kind of thinking that he we we're about to land a huge deal. And towards the end of the call, he was like, "We haven't worked with you. You know, we we've never. You guys have never struck us a check ever, and we've never had a contract or anything like that." Long story short, this guy ended up embezzling like fifty thousand dollars from them, from from everything that you can possibly imagine, and they had no idea. It was swept yeah. right under their feet. So, um, it's a scary world sometimes with that stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, there are people out there that want to do things like that. Yeah, and you know, having having someone like me with my level of expertise, mm-hmm. you know, I might be able to help a client avoid yeah. something like that. For sure. How would you, so, you know, it's one thing to detect something that's that huge, like an enormous deal or something, but um, what would you do in order to, or could you do anything to detect, you know, the the minor uh, stealings and stuff like that? So like $100 here, or $100 there, is it just a matter of matching the numbers up or... Uh, a lot of times it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it boils down to an employee will come forward and say they've seen this happening. Sure. Um, I talked to a potential client a few years back, and he had a fleet of trucks. He assigned his drivers to the trucks, okay. but his drivers would swap trucks with each other. Okay. So he didn't, That's interesting. he didn't actually know who was in what truck where, and was there a reason they did that, or is it just their preference or something? Or they they were just messing, okay, uh, with with the guy that assigned them the trucks. Yeah, uh, they just wanted to do what they wanted to do. Sure. And the biggest problem for the guy was the fact that he had a lot of local government contracts. Yeah. You know, like with the city of Monroe or Stanley County, things like that. And so if if they had an emergency that his guys had to get to, and he thought his closest guy that had the expertise he needed was two miles away but he was actually two counties away. Right. It created a big problem for him. Yeah. So, you know, you've got, you've got to try to have trust in your employees and show them that you trust them so that they're going to do the right things for you. Sure. And sometimes the employees are just going to do what they want. Right. Uh, to their benefit and not to the company's benefit. Yeah. So I think the the key is just making sure that you have enough controls in place so that your employees can still do their job. Yep. They feel comfortable doing their job, and they're going to be loyal to you. 
yeah. uh, so that you're not going to have these type of issues. Yeah. But there are some people that they're still going to do these things. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Actually, my, my next door neighbor, um, he works with a company and um, kind of a kind of a little bit of an intricate example here. But his his boss essentially owns a large uh, construction firm. OK, and his business. So he owned the his boss owns two businesses. One is the large construction firm and one is his where they are essentially a retail provider for construction equipment. Things like safety, okay. everything, safety glasses, you know, drill bits and everything you can imagine with with equipment when it comes to construction. Long story short, go figure, uh, he wants, his boss wants the members of the construction firm to order from his company once again for the parts and pieces that they need, like the safety equipment and stuff. And it seems like they're notorious for not ordering from there. But, I mean, there's multiple reasons that, that he wants them to do that. A, it keeps all of the money in-house right. type of thing. B, he knows that given the relationship between these two entities that they're going to get the best value, best price, best customer service that they can get because they're related companies, you know. And yet he's had this, this overwhelming problem of his people ordering stuff from, you know, other places, from tertiary businesses and stuff like that. And it can be difficult, you know. It can be difficult when you have outside sales reps approaching you and saying, hey, you know, I'll give you this deal or, you know, you get a three plus one offer or something like that on things. But um, it's always really interesting to see uh, the thinking that goes behind people not making the right orders or, you know, sticking with their preferred vendorship and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, I, I worked for a company years back and we had uh, two or three preferred shippers that we used. Okay. And there was this one sales rep who was very persistent mm -hmm. at coming to see us. And so we decided to give them a try sure. on a couple of smaller orders and they botched it up. Yeah. You know, so we're like, okay, we're going to stick with the preferred vendors we've got. We're not going outside of them. Right. Uh, it, it happens sometimes, but, you know, there are instances where it's, it's good to check out the competition. Yeah. You know, for, absolutely. For example, when it comes to things like commercial insurance. Mm hmm. Uh, you want to make sure that periodically, huge. Yeah. yeah, you want to make sure that you're periodically bidding that out. Yeah. Uh, other things like janitorial service that might need to be bid out every once in a while, even office supplies. And, you know, if you have a supplier that you use all the time, sure. Um, you might be able to say, and that might've been the lawyer's example too, you know, could, maybe could be, yeah, maybe he has a, a supplier where, you know, a packet of paper instead of costing him $5 is costing 50 or something, yeah. you know, I mean, people, you know, companies are notorious for that. And, um, one of the utilities that I've I've just always been conscious of creeping up um, is like the internet. You know, in, internet's something that it seems like if you don't go back and readdress it and reprice it every year or something, all of a sudden it's going to be double the price the next yeah. year. Like I don't know, it's just something that I've happened to notice. Well, that, um, let me tell you about something I ran into in an industry I worked yeah. in years ago. I worked in the seafood industry. Okay, and I heard a number of stories about purchasing. Okay whereby some vendors will lock in with a purchasing agent for a seafood company and okay. the purchase the purchasing agent will buy say salmon okay for an additional 5 cents a pound than they normally would gotcha that extra 5 cents a pound would be sent to the purchasing agent's home right as a commission check basically yep. oh yeah on some quarterly basis yearly basis whatever yeah uh, just another way to get around getting things done in the right manner. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there, there's all kinds of stories I've heard about yeah. things Kickbacks. like that. Kickbacks. Yep. Kickbacks. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, you you run into these things. It seems like in every in every single industry. Um, let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk business legends. So um, obviously there's a there's a huge difference in your recommendations between an up and coming entrepreneur, somebody that's opening a new business, and somebody that's been established. So somebody that's you know five years in and they need a they need an audit. You know they need somebody like you to come in and and talk about their um, you know their expenditures and how to save money here and and all the wonderful things that you do. Um, what would your advice be to an up-and-coming entrepreneur that wants to start a business from an accounting perspective? So what would you um, recommend that they do just in order to get their ducks in line so that they can set themselves up for success? Well, one of the things that, that I always like to tell people, it's an old quote from Ben Franklin, mm-hmm. if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. Sure. So planning up front is critical. Yeah. You know, you've got to plan, okay, Who's my market going to be? Mm-hmm. What are the demographics of the people I'm going to sell to? What are they going to buy? How much are they going to pay for it? Yeah. And have some realistic goals and expectations set as to how you're going to grow your revenue, your employee base, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got to have these plans in place so that you have something to look forward to. Sure. And that's that's why I, I always work with my clients to make sure they have a budget in place yeah. because that's your plan. Yep. You know, if you're going to sell a thousand of whatever you sell, mm-hmm. what if you only sell 975? Yeah. You know, how's What's that going to impact yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Um, what if you sell 1,300 of them? Mm-hmm. How's that going to impact you? Yeah. How do you order the extra 300 or Exactly. Whatever? And how do you pay for it? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the critical thing is that they have to have a plan and they need to make sure that they have some professional advice up front to make sure that they get everything in place they need. Mm-hmm. For example, they don't want to open their doors and not have workers' comp insurance if they have three or more employees. Right, for Because sure. by state law, you are required to do that. Yep. And I've talked to a, a few entrepreneurs who are like, I didn't know that. Right. You know, that's why you talk to professionals up front to make sure that you have your business plan if you need that. Yep. And you make sure that you have other things in place like your banking relationships, et cetera. Yeah. So you just got to have a plan in place and you got to try to try to work that plan and modify it as Accordingly, things yeah. change. Sure. Yeah. And and speaking of change, um, how much and you know, I, I don't I don't know in the accounting world, you know, I work in marketing, so there's a lot of this example in, in my industry, but how often do you find yourself um, you know, going in and, and saving people time? And so what I'm what I'm talking about specifically is um, you know, how often do you go in and automate process processes that um that should be automatic, but you know they take time away from the entrepreneur. So you know, using that example of selling a thousand whatever or something, you know, how often do you find yourself going in and, and arranging ways that that these business owners can end up saving themselves, you know, time and effort and energy in, in things? I do that quite frequently. Yeah. Um, when I when I work with my employees, when my work with my client staff. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that they understand how to do their job yep. and how to make sure that they get the data for the owner or owners uh, that they need. Sure. So whatever new processes or procedures we put in place to make sure that the data is valid, make sure it's correct, or to just streamline the processes, yeah. always looking at that because at the end of the day, that's going to save the owner of the company uh, time, money, and resources. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I have a, a good friend named Matt Swanson. He's been on the show as well. And um, it's interesting because Matt and I, while our businesses have a little bit of overlap, um, he, he specializes in, in uh, digital marketing and, and things, um, 
there's so much business between the two of us that does not overlap um, that, you know, we've been able to, you know, pass business back and forth a lot. And um, one of the things that, that he just sticks on is the only true resource that you have in this life is time. And so anything that you can do to save yourself time, it's typically going to be worth it, you know. Um, and, you know, he, he's a big, he's really big into automating processes, uh, everything from marketing to uh, training is a huge one. Uh, training is a huge portion of overhead with employees. And, you know, anything that you can do to, to automate those processes and, and make them streamlined to be faster, more efficient, um, these are things that can help your business in the long term always, you know. Um, it's, it's really interesting. And it seems like when you look back, um, you didn't even know that you were spending so much time doing this function or whatever, you know. Um, I can think very specifically about, about something that I used to do where it, it didn't take me too much time but the problem was the time leading up to it and the time away from it. And what I mean by that is that um, it was a meeting, right? It was a, a weekly meeting that I didn't need to take, but I had a strong relationship with the, with the customer. And, you know, basically for 30 minutes before that meeting, I was preparing for that meeting, have the meeting for an hour, and then 30 minutes after that, because you didn't, you didn't know, um, you know, how long the meeting would go, if it would go over or under or something like that. Um, I mean, that's effectively two hours worth of time every week type of thing, you know, and it's simple things like that where it wasn't until, um, luckily I have Christian, you know, as a business partner, it wasn't until, you know, we were talking about our process where he was like, well, you know, you're losing a lot of time on this right here, you know? Um, but I think that's a mistake that a, that a lot of, uh, a lot of businesses and, and especially new entrepreneurs do, and especially when they have a business partner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know, and that's one, that's one of the things that I, I try to work with clients on sure. is, is make sure that, you know, the business owner, the president of the company, CEO, whatever they call themselves, sure. is that they spend more time working on their business. Yeah. And not spending that much time doing the administrative work. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that I try to work with on my clients is make sure that the administrative stuff that needs to get done gets done either through me or through their staff, or if they need to do something, even like hiring a virtual assistant to help mm -hmm. with things, they get somebody else that can do that form. Yep. So instead of somebody that, you know, in essence might cost you $150, $200 an hour doing the work of somebody that you can get to do it, that's a $20 an hour employee, yeah. you need to funnel that work to that person. For sure. And, you know, if you run across entrepreneurs, which I've run across many, you probably have too, yeah. that are working like 70, 80, 100 hours a week mm -hmm. because they're not having other people do these tasks that they really don't need to be doing. Yeah. For example, I don't, I don't want to see one of the owners of my clients doing their payroll. Payroll. Yeah. I, I, that's so funny. You and I went to the exact same place. I, I don't know how payroll works. I'll never do it. Um, I'm not good at it. It stresses me out. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you could run the whole payroll for our company in, in 10 minutes or something. It would take me four hours and I'd cry. I would, <laughs> I would not be good at it. It is not what I do, you know, but I know that about myself, yeah. luckily. But yeah. And, and that's one of the things I tell my clients. If you're doing your own payroll, stop. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of good payroll companies out there and yeah. payroll services They're that gonna can do, do better it job. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the big thing there is the fact, let's say that you withhold employees payroll taxes from your employees, mm -hmm. you're supposed to remit them right. to the federal government and to the state government on a regular basis. Right. What if you don't do that? Yeah, then you're getting penalized and then exactly. it's, it costs what more. If, the, what if the, you don't do that and you go buy a new piece of equipment instead? Yeah. Now you don't have the money to pay your taxes. Right. And then you're 
really up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, those are criminal charges. Yeah. And if you're utilizing a payroll service, then they're going to be remitting those on your behalf, and you don't have to worry about them. Yeah. You just don't even think about it. Exactly. You know? um, that payroll is always something. It baffles me that people do it for themselves. You know, um, I could understand if you, for example, did it because you deal with numbers on a, on a daily basis. But somebody like me to do something like that, no way. You know. Don't. And, and one that's, of the that's what I recommend. Just don't. Yeah, just don't. Just yeah. don't. Um, I had a I had a good friend, and um, one of the one of the things that he always used to say, he says, you know, what's your hourly rate? You know, and be honest with yourself. What's your hourly rate? Yep. And um, you know, we all have these numbers in our head. And it depends on the industry. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that hourly rate. You know, he says, well, if that's your hourly rate, then you need to be getting that much money. And if there's if there's something that like you know, payroll is, is just a great example here. I hate to stick on it, but if there's something that you can do that, you know, you're paying somebody, you're effectively paying somebody less than to do that, then you need to pay them to do it, you know? Right. Um, it's pretty basic math, you know? If I can pay somebody $20 an hour to do something repeatable, um, you know, versus, you know, whatever I want my hourly rate to be, why don't I do that? You know, it's going to save myself time and heartache. And one of the things, um, I'm really big on, on this, um, you know, I truly believe in work ethic. I think that good things happen to people with good work ethic. But at the same time, I also acknowledge burnout, you know. And I don't care how much you love what you do. If you're if you're doing nothing but that, you will burn out eventually, you know. Um, it's like burning the candle at both ends. And I think about these entrepreneurs that are putting in 100 hours a week, you know, working every, every waking hour on their job, and they don't live happy lives. And eventually they get to burnout. And even when they're financially very successful, they still – end up having issues you know they, they still they still have very lead very unhappy situations so yeah well you know. my, money's not everything right you know so these um business owners that that put in all that time they they may be satisfied that they've built whatever they've built right but at the end of the day if they can't translate that to happiness in their personal life well, that could turn out to be a problem for them. Yeah, probably wasn't really worth it to begin with. And there, there needs to be some balance. Sure. And and there's some criticism of people using the work-life balance right. um, moniker. But there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to have a personal life and be happy with it. You've got to have your, your business life and be happy with it. And if you have a passion for something and you love doing it and you can make money at it, that's great. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to sacrifice other parts of your life like your personal life, family, and things like that. Relationships. Just for that. Exactly. Because yeah. mm-hmm. every, everybody needs somebody. Right. Sure. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing, too. Um, you know, I, I, um, you know, Gary Vee, David's about to, about to perk up because he just loves Gary Vee. And I have a love-hate relationship with, you know, Gary Vee, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah, the Internet you know, phenomenon or whatever. And, and he actually speaks about this a lot. You know, he speaks about how he has a good friend that's a teacher that doesn't make very much money because there, let's face it, there's no teacher on the planet that gets paid enough. And um, the guy lives a much happier life than he'll ever lead because he's fulfilling his passion. Um, whereas, you know, Gary is so focused on, on building an empire, building an enterprise, you know, and that, that monopolizes his time. And so he doesn't have as much time with his family. He doesn't have as much time with his friends and that type of thing. And, and the other thing is that he's always on, you know, he's even gone so far as to, Essentially, hiring hiring a uh, less than David over here, less than David Woodruff crew to follow to follow him around and record, you know, all different types of videos and stuff. But it's like it's like why, you know, um, I just can't I can't fathom that 
that is something to be so focused on, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't envy his life. Basically, well, that's his choice. That, right? Yeah, that's so. his choice. So you know, maybe is if it makes him happy, then you know, I, I just don't have that same reference point. I guess. Um, so back to business legends. Um, let's say okay. So we've talked about up and coming entrepreneur, uh, plan to fail or fail to plan. Um, what would you say for a business that's been at it for five years and finds um, finds that you know maybe they're a little bit stagnant. You know they've had this lofty goal. Maybe it's increasing the revenues twenty percent or something like that. And it seems like they've kind of hit a plateau. And so they approach you and say, "Hey Andrew, you know what can I do to to kind of fix this problem? Um, what would you go about doing with a business like that?" Well, one one of the things that that I try to tell people to set myself apart mm-hmm. from other people that that do what I do, and there are many other people out there that do it, is that. I try to take a more holistic view of the business, you know, so I'll look at all the disciplines. I'll I'll look at IT. I'll look at HR. I'll I'll look at operations. I'll look at management team. I'll look at sales Mm -hmm. and, and I will help them develop plans or at least to get them thinking about plans and bring in other professionals to help them with certain things. Yeah. You know, if, if they have, um, a weakness in marketing, mm-hmm. bring in somebody in marketing to help strengthen that. Yeah. Like if, us. No. <laughs> exa- exactly. Um, let's say they have a weakness in their operations because their manufacturing floor is not set up in an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. I'll bring in an expert that can help them set up the floor in a more efficient manner so that their employees won't be walking as many steps to get things done. Yeah. You know, if they've got a problem with their sales process, you know, I know a fair amount about that, but I'm not an expert. Right. But I know enough to bring in somebody else that, that can help them set up their sales processes in a better way so that they can meet those goals that they want. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think it's so amazing how a lot of these different, different disciplines, different stories, different sections of business, the lines are very blurred between them. And what I mean specifically by that, I've always kind of, kind of seen, you, know, you have, like you said, you mentioned several different facets of business. So marketing, sales, accounting, HR. Um, you know, process development, logistics, whatever you want to say. But I, I've always felt as though marketing and sales, the, the line between them is very, very blurry. And aren't, it, and it, aren't they the same thing? <laughs> if, you're, if you're good at it, right? Um, I'll never forget, we had, a, uh, we had a gym. This has been, this has been a couple of years back. And awesome gym, uh, awesome owner. And, um, you know, we were generating leads for them like crazy. I mean, you know, you're talking, we had, we had over 240 leads for them in a month. And, and I mean, that, that's, that's huge, huge, huge numbers for a gym. And um, they end up getting 240 leads. And they, uh, you know, out of those 240, by the way, these are qualified leads. These aren't yeah. just like nobody leads from, from somewhere halfway across the world. These are people in the area that are interested in their, in their business. And, um, you know, they end up only closing like 11, something like that. 11. Out uh, of 240? Out of 240 gym okay. memberships for this one, Okay. And so, you know, you already know where I'm going with this, it seems like. But what was the first thing you, th- you thought that I said? I was like, well, what's your sales process like, you know? And, and sure enough, uh, just like our MBA training, you identify the bottleneck and all of a sudden things start to lighten up and they, they clear up type of thing. But um, that was the one situation where I distinctly remember, like, you know, you do the best job that you possibly can for people. And at some point, whether it's no matter what facet it is, but at some point, you know, you lead people all the way up to the door. You make the door as pretty as possible. You, you, uh, you, you hold their hand all the way through. The door is very enticing. But at the end of the day, when it goes to that next procedure, which is that sales process, you know, I'm not the door. You know, I'm the person that gets them to the door. 
Type yeah, of thing. you'll you'll have a few people that'll kick the door open. Yeah, and move forward, and you'll have a few people that are scared to turn the knob. Right, and then you'll have a few people that'll just crack the door open a little bit. Yeah, just a peek. Yeah, but you know, if you if you give them all of these qualified leads, which they've paid you for, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. They they need to have a closing process yeah. to end up closing the requisite number that they want. Yeah, absolutely. So if their goal is to close 50% and they only closed five, yeah. there's a mismatch there's a, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, there's a problem there yeah. somewhere, yeah. Well, sure enough, we, we detected it. Um, you know, the, the story has a happy ending. You know, the, good. The, the gym ended up doing quite well, but we had to identify that, that portion of the process. Um, one of the one of the difficulties I think that any business these days has is taking responsibility, and it, it's interesting because Christian, who isn't here today, you know, he would argue that you take responsibility for everything. You know, as a business owner, no matter what happens, like it's it's your fault. You take responsibility for everything that happens. You know, and I I like to approach things a little bit more realistically in the sense where you know, in the gym example, you've hired me to create leads. I've created more than you could ever fathom with that. And, you know, there's there's a point where, you know, it's no longer my responsibility to run your business for you type of thing, you know. Um, but at the same time, you know, Christian would argue back and say, well, if we if we didn't identify that bottleneck in that in that process, then they wouldn't have been successful. And at the end of the day, the customer success is all that matters. So we bicker like cats and dogs back and yeah. forth about these types of things. But um, it's very interesting. It, it's just a wonderful study of business that I think. Um, well, Andrew, man, thank you so much for joining me today, and the second time around, because the first time we had we had a little uh, mismatch with the with the timing and and everything like that. Um, if somebody wants to wants to hire you, if they need an outsourced CFO, how would they get a hold of you? Well, I am on LinkedIn. Okay, uh, it's an easy way to get in touch with me. I also have a website. Okay, um, aetuckerconsulting.com. Can I give any other information? You can give whatever you want. Yeah. Um, sure. My email address is andrew at aetuckerconsulting.com. Perfect. Uh, phone number, 704-651-2216. I'm very responsive to people. Yeah. And I also offer a complimentary uh, conversation up front awesome. to find out about their business and see if there's a match between whether I can help them or not. Yeah. Well, very good. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me.